From deep in the heart of the swamp, this is Gator Tales, the official podcast of the Florida Gators. Gator Tales is brought to you by UF Health, the official healthcare provider of the Florida Gators. Welcome to Gator Tales, Gator Greats. I'm your host, Adam Schick. On today's show, we're turning back the clock to relive a run that not only stands as one of the most impressive in Gator lore, but also holds court in the annals of college basketball history. I'm, of course, talking about the 2006-2007 back-to-back national championship runs for Billy Donovan, the 04s, and 103 that proved to be an unstoppable force. We brought the entire group together to tell this tale in incredible depth with never-before-heard stories and revelations sure to make you smile, laugh, and maybe even cry. This is episode one, the 04s and an 03. To fully understand the impact this group had on the program, it's critical to give context to where Florida basketball was in the early 2000s. Billy Donovan came on the scene in 1996 and took the program from relative obscurity to the national championship game in 2000, ultimately falling to Michigan State. While the deep run was a pleasant surprise, for many, it raised the bar of expectations, and the early NCAA tournament exits over the next few years caused some rumblings in the fan base. But that never moved the target for then-athletic director Jeremy Foley, who knew Billy D was doing exactly what he was brought to Gainesville to do. Obviously, as you look back at them and you look at those national championships, that's an incredible goal and incredible achievements and obviously memories of a lifetime. But, you know, from from my perspective, and I used to hear it a lot, you know, the, the frustration that fans had when we, when we exited the tournament early. And that's the beauty of the tournament. You know, and when we hired Billy, you know, the goal was to be one of the 64. Um, at, you know, before we hired Billy, we've been in the NCAA tournament five times in our history. And so, yeah, everybody is disappointed when we lose the last ballgame. But, um, you know, certainly Florida didn't have the tradition that it has now that Billy created. You know, certainly didn't have the tradition of, you know, some of the blue bloods in, in college sports where they don't win the national championship in basketball. You know, it's, it's incredible misery. Mm-hmm. You know, we were trying to build something. So the, the key factor for me was we were relevant. We were in the hunt. We were in the tournament. You know, we were in the hunt of the SECs. You know, we were going into Lexington every once in a while, beating Kentucky. You know, we were making runs in the SEC tournament. You know, we were doing exactly what um, we hired Billy to do. You know, I don't think anybody could think, well, you know, let's get over this hump and then we're going to win back-to-backs. It's too hard to do that in any sport. Mm. And so from my perspective, you know, I – just like any Gator fan, I hate to lose, and I hate to lose the last game of the year and go be sent home, whether it's from the NCAA tournament or from a bowl game or any competition. But the, the thing from the big perspective that I always had was that we were building something special, and I always felt you get in the NCAA tournament, anything can happen. You can be really good and get knocked out in the first round. That's Virginia a couple of years ago. Yeah. You know, or you can go in there with a number five or six CC that we had in 2006 and win the whole thing. So you, you just never know. Um, but obviously, unless you're in the dance, you have no shot. And so um, that's what Billy was building. We, he got us in the dance every year. A head coach essentially serves the role of a CEO at a major program like Florida, which means recruiting starts with the legwork done by the assistant coaches, who are frequently on the road and making sure they keep their eyes open at all times. So well before the guides collectively became the O4s, they were individual prospects with various ratings and expectations. Current Dayton head coach Anthony Grant was a longtime assistant for Donovan from 1994 to 2006, going all the way back to Billy's first head coaching gig at Marshall. 
He played a critical role in identifying and chasing many of the key members of the future squad, including Al Horford, rival's 36th-ranked player in the class of 2004. Yeah, well, my, my first time seeing Al was they used to do the Nike All-American camp. And, uh, you know, he struck me as a guy that, you know, with his size and physicality, just the way he approached the game. And I knew his dad. I played against his dad in college. His dad was a, a really good player at the University of Miami and had a brief career in the NBA. Um, so I knew kind of his bloodlines. And so watching him, I felt like for the way that we played, he would be a guy that would be a good fit, you know, for our needs and what he could do just in terms of running the floor, rebound the ball. And, you know, he was he was a little raw at the time offensively, but he had some tools that I thought uh, really fit the way we wanted to play. But like so many recruiting battles, there's almost always an unexpected bump in the road. He had, uh, you know, obviously an AAU coach and then a, a, a guy uh, from, I guess, that he knew growing up, a guy named Larry. I don't remember Larry's last name, but just in reaching out to Al, you know, he he told me about Larry and uh, his AAU coach. So reaching out to them, we expressed interest. And and then, um, you know, through some friends of mine in Miami, I was able to to get a hold of Tito as well and just uh, try to make a connection there. So, you know, we tried to build a relationship with him, you know, through the phone. Uh, and then when we got a chance to go and visit his family in Michigan, uh, Coach Donovan and I went up and, and spent some time there now. We, we felt like, you know, there was interest. Uh, we felt like things were, were moving in the right direction. We were trying to get him on an official visit. And then out of the blue, he committed to Michigan, which was kind of a surprise. So I remember speaking to Larry, and I think it took everybody by surprise. So he had, I guess he had taken an unofficial visit there one weekend and, and just uh, decided to do it. And then so in, in conversations with Larry, Larry said that he wasn't sure that that's what Al wanted to do. So I said, well, listen, if that's not what he wants to do, <laughs> let me know, <laughs> you know. And so maybe a few days later, you know, it reopened. And and so we were able to get get him to come visit campus. And we were fortunate that he decided to be a Gator. The four-star power forward was locked in on UF and had already crossed paths with some of his future classmates. I met Joaquin um, during uh, our last year in high school. Um, I met him uh, in the AAU circuit. Uh, we actually played against them um, in, in the tournament. I think it was like the, the round of 16 of nationals or elite eight. Um, he was highly touted uh, recruit. I was kind of on my way up as well. And, um, we had battles then, um, but it was like, you know, kind of quick interaction. Then I met Corey Brewer in a um, Nike elite camp in Indianapolis. And then uh, once we got to Florida, Corey and Torian were there um, for my official visit. And Joakim wasn't, but Corey and Torian were there. Corey Brewer had already been on the Gators' radar for quite some time, as Grant established an early relationship with the wiry four-star small forward. Yeah, so Corey, after his sophomore year, his AAU coach, Charlie Benson, the Tennessee Travelers developed a really good relationship with him. And, uh, you know, Lee Humphrey also played for, for Charlie. And so, so, uh, Charlie had told me about Corey and Corey was young. So I got a chance to go see Corey going into his junior year. You know, he was long and athletic and, uh, style of play wise. I thought he would be a, a great fit for the way we wanted to play with the pressing and running 
and all that stuff. So we were able to get in on him early, you know, before he, he got a really big rep. I think it was maybe a couple schools, uh, Vanderbilt, maybe a couple of schools that were, um, you know, inquiring. So uh, went up and saw him. He had a great, his high school coach was a, just a great coach, really, really good teacher, really good guy. So got a chance to watch him practice and uh, was really impressed. So throughout the course of his junior year, went up and, and saw him, came, brought Billy to see him. And then we were actually able to get him. It was one of the last times uh, when we, we brought him up for a visit his junior year. The NCAA had changed the rule that you could actually bring a guy in before the start of his senior year. And I think they changed the rule back. And it was also one of the last times you could you could bring a kid on a visit on your school plane. So we actually brought Corey in. He played a, he played a game on a Friday night after his game. The, the plane was there waiting for him, uh, picked him up, brought him. He got in late at night, Friday night. We played like an afternoon game on Saturday. He came in for that game, uh, you know, and then went back out, I think, maybe Sunday morning or something like that. So, uh, you know, we were we were in there early. He uh, he committed after his junior year and that summer went out and became a McDonald All-American. So, yeah. So that was uh, he was, you know, he was obviously the highest rated guy of that group. Uh, coming in. So that's kind of kind of the story with him. You'd think a ride on a private plane would seal the deal, but as the McDonald's All-American stock rose, so too did the competition for the 31st ranked player in the nation. You know, just, just going and meeting mom and dad down down to earth people. He had a brother that played college basketball. I think it may be Chattanooga. Um, so just, just really good people. And Corey, the personality, the smile, just the way he meets people just a really good guy, but no, but, uh, I think probably the biggest thing was, you know, recruiting him. He, uh, I think this, the summer going into his senior year, I remember he was down at, uh, in Orlando at the AAU nationals and had, had, had committed maybe a few weeks earlier. And so he was playing with the team out of Memphis that had a bunch of really good players, highly rated players, maybe a couple of guys that ended up being all American type guys. Uh, some of them may have been his class. Some may have been younger. But so everybody is there watching, you know. And, and so it's one of those deals where, you know, you want to make sure, OK, let's make sure nothing changes here with this commitment. <laughs> and so back then, you know, you couldn't talk to them on the phone when they were playing. You know, you, you, there was no communication until the tournament ended. You know, so you just show up and watch guys play and make sure they see you watching them. You know, so. It's like a week and I'm at every game and at the end of the week, you know, you're saying, man, this guy's playing really good. And it's a lot of coaches here, you know. And so they made it like to the semifinals or the finals. And uh, I just remember I felt pretty good. There was like a day off that they had in between, you know, and uh, the next the next day I can't talk to him. So I, it's just I'm just seeing him and saying, OK, is is we good? <laughs> you know, I'm just kind of like. <laughs> You know, so uh, he shows up in the to, to the game the next day. I guess they went shopping or something. He's got on some some gator socks. And I was like, OK, we're good. <laughs> we're good. We got it. <laughs> we're good. <laughs> That's probably what I remember the most. Just, you know, chasing him the whole summer, making sure that, that we were good. They were good indeed. And when Brewer showed up on campus, he realized his classmates shared some key priorities. Yeah, the first time we all met, like, first when we got on campus for the first time, um, me and Torian were roommates, and our room connected with Al and Joe Kings. But when I first got there, Torian was already there, so I seen him, and then Al had just came to the, his room, 
and we were just moving in. So after we moved our stuff in, we were just sitting there. We were like, let's go to the gym. So me, Tori, and Al went to the gym and started basically just playing shooting. And then here comes Joe. <laughs> He's like in the gym, like being Joe crazy. And the first thing he says, oh, I like you guys already. My type of dude, you're already working out. And from then on, we were just like gym rats. That was like the first time I was like, uh, we're all like the same. We all love being in the gym. While McDonald's All-Americans like Brewer are sought by almost everyone, not all prospects garner that level of attention. Torian Green was a point guard measuring right about six feet. And while his lack of size may have caused concern for some schools, Grant was more focused on a key attribute he did have. I was really impressed with his speed and his uh, his ability to, to get to the rim and, and finish and then had an ability to, sh- to score the basketball and, and was a was a lead guard. So I, I kind of was was intrigued by him. And and so we, uh, you know, we just kind of followed him. And, uh, you know, when he went to IMG, you know, we knew we were in, 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 the, in the need for a point guard, just kind of tracked him and. Back then, we had uh, what they called elite camps, or I can't remember the name that we that we called it, but it was like a skill camp. And so we would get some really good players to come in for those camps, and we would, you know, work with them just on on player development stuff, put them into situations, uh, you know, pick and rolls or or two on two, three on three situations, kind of like what we did with our guys. And Billy was really great at at, at putting them in situations teaching them what it would what it would take for them to be able to to play in college you know and especially doing what we did and then so you got a chance to evaluate them and so you know we we felt really good about Torian but I think his when he came to elite camp uh that summer I think he 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 showed everybody on staff you know that he was he was a guy that really could fit with what we wanted to do so I think that kind of solidified it for everybody and and uh you know, I think shortly thereafter, we were able to, to get uh, him and his family on campus. And I don't remember his timing for his decision, but, but we, were, we were fortunate to be able to get that one done as well. Similar to Horford, Green had already run into some of his future teammates on the recruiting trail throughout high school, and he had already sized each of them up before arriving in Gainesville. Uh, Corey, I played with Corey at the MBPA Top 100 camp. Going into our senior year, I think it was. So I, I knew of Corey, and um, you know, I'm like, damn, this kid is skinny. These his clothes are so <laughs> huge on him. <laughs> uh, he was very wiry, active, everywhere on the court. I saw Joe. I'm like, you know, who is this big, tall, skinny kid with a ponytail? I'm like, you know, but I kind of <laughs> knew of him because he went to um, he went to high school with my cousin, Danny Green at Pontley Prep. Hmm. So I knew him. They played together. So I knew I knew of Joe and um, Al. He was just I was about six, five. Honestly, like, you know, you could tell he was going to he had to feel in his body. But like at first he was like kind of like uncoordinated a little bit. So it was it was it was kind of funny just meeting all of them at first. But the one thing we had in common was we all just wanted to hoop mm-hmm. and we were all competitive. And I think that's why that we just clicked right away. Due to his roots in the New York area, Billy Donovan himself was integral in recruiting Big Apple native Joe Kim Noah, ranked 75th in the 2004 class. The son of French Open champion Yannick Noah, Joe Kim left an impression on Donovan with his passion for winning. 
you know, I, I do remember it was going into their freshman year and it was in the spring of all their senior year in high school. And I remember that I went to go see Joe Kim Noah. He was at a prep school in New Jersey and he was really, really disappointed that, you know, we lost in the NCAA tournament. I think we lost to maybe I don't forget who it was that year, but we got knocked out in the first round or maybe the first day. And you could just see his competitive spirit, you know, and I just loved the way he was talking and how important winning was to him. The thing I remember about Joe is like, you know, when he walked on campus, he came in and uh, just his personality, you know, like he, he walked in with, I think it was his mom and maybe his sister came on the visit. And uh, it's like when he walked in the, when he walked in the room, it felt like the lights got a little brighter. You know what I mean? It's like there's a glow around him. Like as soon as he walks in, everything lights up. It's like, wow, you know, this is a, the high school kid, just his personality. He just had it, you know, and, and uh, just a guy that, you know, was really, really a good. He, he was perfect match for for what we needed and what we had. Coaches can easily match skill sets during recruiting, but predicting how personalities will mesh within a class is a much trickier task. For Joe Kim Noah, the connection with his classmates was instant. The beauty of it is it happened, the, the, the chemistry was there, like right away. We met in the gym. I was the last one there. Uh, I arrive on campus, you know, coming from a whole different world. I mean, all of us, really. And, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, th- those three were in the gym already. So that was the place where we got to kind of, for right away, it was a high, like, checkup, you know. Mm-hmm. So that, w- that was the energy. And. I mean, we, we saw that we were, you know, we were cool. We were cool from, from the get, you know, the energy was perfect. You know, Horfi being my roommate and then Bruski and, and T having the room, you know, the connecting room in Springs. We literally had the room in the corner facing, like we were right next to the practice facility. So it was like, just to have a, a thumbprint, a fucking thumbprint <laughs> to go into your gym and like this unbelievable <laughs> facility with the work ethic, I just knew it was just, there was no excuse. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, Coach Donovan, I mean, just to, just to be able to have a thumbprint gym, what, what people always underestimate in basketball, which is so funny to me, is just, you know, people always underestimate chemistry, you know. It's the part of the game where, you know, you get paid individually and, you know, there's a lot of accolades that go into it. And, you know, we had to, you know, manage all those things. And we did. I think we did that. We did that real gracefully. You know, we just for for young kids and everything that we've been through, I think that we were all very competitive in our in our own different ways. We were all all different, but we really cared about each other. And, you know, there was just a common uh, to, to be able to have that common goal and to share that the way that we did, like as a team, but also moving the group forward as a as a young core it's it was it was beyond you know you won't find many personalities in sports maybe even in the world in general as singular as joe kim noah but even the unorthodox nature of the eventual ringleader fit for this group he's different but he's easy it was easier and the easy adjustment for all of us i think it was just we all had so different personalities that we all just clicked it was like the perfect combination of guys together like I don't think you could have put a bunch of different guys to be best friends in one room besides us. Really, when we moved there for our freshman year, 
um, you know, before uh, summer bee orientation um, that we got to the dorms and, you know, at Springs, um, as soon as we, you know, we all got there, uh, I remember Torian was there first, Corey got there, then I got there, and then finally Joaquin came in. And um, and as soon as the four of us got together, it was, it's very surreal when I think about it, because it was very, uh, um, I feel like that's when everything just clicked for us. Like right away, it felt like we knew, we known each other for many years and we were teammates for many years. Like that was something that I, I haven't, you know, really experienced before. Um, and, you know, in, in the, in, in the basketball world, in the sports world. And, you know, I, like we literally just got together and I don't, I don't know who brought it up. If it was Joe Kimo, if it was Torian, but right away they were like, Hey, you know, let's go to the practice facility and, and, uh, and play. You know, it was, uh, there was competitiveness, but there was also like, you know, we're together, let's go out there, let's play. But it, it was, um, it, it was hard to explain, but it, it, I just feel like we just clicked right away in a good way, in a competitive way. And uh, it, it felt like we were friends for many years, like I said earlier, but it just, from then on, it just, it just took off very quickly. When you think about it, most legendary groups have nicknames, whether it be the Avengers, the Dream Team, or even the Plastics. For the basketball class of 2004, they became the O4s, a simple but telling name with debatable origins. <laughs> so what happened was when we got uh, to UF, obviously, uh, you know, they were already a good team. Um, you know, they had, you know, David Lee, Matt Walsh, Anthony Roberson, Adrian Moss. Like they already had like a, a group of core players, uh, really good players. And we came in um, in summertime and you play pickup, you play uh, pickup in the summer. That's something that you do. And when we were picking teams, I don't know how it came about. The first thing we did was we went over and started playing one-on-one against each other at the facility um, right away. And, you know, we're competitive. We're getting after it. So when the team starts to play pickup and we're picking teams, we're like, you know what? It, you know, it's going to be the four of us. Again, you know, the, the, the rest of the guys that were already there, the juniors and seniors um, and, and, and sophomores. And, and, uh, and we're like, well, we need one more. So uh, I think Corey said, you know, we'll take Lee, you know, just give us Lee Humphrey or something like that. And, you know, at the time we didn't know that, we didn't know that Lee could shoot like that. Um, and, uh, but Joe Keen said, uh, I think he was the one that the first said, he, he's like, you know, it's going to be 04 versus them or something like that. And it was interesting because, you know, we played and we actually dominated that group of guys. And it was one of those things that it, you know, that it just got really heated, but, you know, we connected right away. We clicked right away and it was a lot of fun, but I do believe that Joe Keen definitely said, you know, they kind of put the name to it. I mean, we basically, was, <laughs> that was our class, you know, that was the class. And it was also a way to kind of connect with, uh, you know, with everybody from every sport. And that was, that's, that's always like, you know, okay, we're the O4s, but it was, it wasn't just us. It was, you know, it was everybody you, you could, you could, that's a way to connect with the football guys, to connect with the the soccer girls, to connect with the volleyball girls, you know, just to, just to connect, you know, you just, you're building your crew, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, the O4s, I, I mean, I, I think the boys would probably say when we played pickup against the you know, the peep shows and Anthony, uh, Anthony Roberson and Matt Walsh and Dealey and all those guys, we always wanted to play together. We, that's how our confidence grew is just playing pickup and being on the same team and building that kind of rapport, you know, just right away. Like it, it cause it was kind of like we, we won a lot and it would, you know, the guys were, I mean, it's not cool when you got freshmen coming in and, and winning pickup games and they want to play together, you know? Mm-hmm. 
So it kind of set a tone for our freshman year, you know, and then I came in and I mean, the, the store, it's crazy. And then I had mono, I got mono and then, you know, I was the one who wasn't playing too. So there was just so many dynamics, but those, the way those guys just picked, they picked me up through, through my adversity and the things that I was going through all the time, you know, and it was just like, that's the brotherhood right there because so many times, you know, Coach Donovan always talked about living in the moment and all that. But you know, you're, it's it's real when you're you're a sophomore, you're 19 years old, and people are talking to you about, you know, going to make millions of dollars. But you know, you have something so special in front of you. It's just like the whole thing was just managing all that within each other and just bringing everybody back to where they needed to get to. I thought that was that was a beautiful thing, you know. It's hard to boil down exactly why these personalities clicked so well and so quickly. But there's one commonality Billy Donovan observed that could explain some of the alchemy. When those guys came on campus, they all came from different backgrounds and from different parts of the country. But the one commonality I thought they all had, you know, besides Corey, was Torian's dad, Joe Kim's dad, Al Horford's dad were all professional athletes. And I think they came in with a wealth of knowledge and understanding about what team chemistry looked like and how important team chemistry was. So I think when those guys got to campus, there was an immediate bond right away. And I can remember vividly, you know, those guys being in the gym at nighttime, just playing two on two together, working out and just kind of playing on their own because we weren't able to start any practicing and the coaches couldn't be on the court with those guys but they were always in the gym working out and playing and they were always together the four of them they were always around each other right from day one I don't know how it started that way but it was an immediate I think bond that they all shared right away which really turned out to be truly special I think I think it was definitely part of it because you know the way we were raised I think you know I was always around you know, my family, my dad played. So, you know, I was always, I saw what it took. I saw the work that he put in and I was always around. And I'm sure Al saw the same thing with his dad, you know, growing up, you know, saw, and I'm sure his dad told him how hard it, it is to, you know, get to that next level and how hard you have to work and all the work you put in. And, and the same goes for Joe and his dad, you know. So I think that really helped in terms of our work ethic and, and you know, knowing what it, what needs to be done to get to that next level, to play at a high level. And, you know, I think Corey just had that built in him because Corey had a different motivation. Obviously, he came from a different situation with his family. You know, um, they were fortunate enough to, you know, have as much you know money growing up, you know, as we did. But, you know, I think that really pushed Corey to really just grind. And, you know, that was the one thing we had in common. We just love to grind and we love to put in the work. And, and I think that's what, you know, we, we all pushed each other in that area. The 04s all have clear recollections of when they entered the program, and no doubt their new teammates noticed as well, especially Lee Humphrey, a rising sophomore who was looking to better define his role. Uh, it was summer school. I think it was probably summer B session. So campus was pretty dead. Uh, and typically all you did in the summer, you would go to two classes, and then you would play pickup, and you would lift weights. Uh, so I think the immediate vibe that, that I got was just, you know, being around the guys, that was the fun thing about the summer is it's pretty relaxed compared to the season. 
there, there's really no pressure that's imminent. You're, you're trying to get in shape. You're trying to get acclimated to, to class and then also to workouts and to the higher level of competition. Um, I remember we had great pickup games and, and an immediate chemistry with the pickup games. I mean, we were fortunate um, to have some great older guys to, to play against uh, and to learn from. And I think it benefited us and, and benefited the whole team. Well, like I said, when we had first got on campus, when we were freshmen, you know, we were in the gym and Lee Humphrey was in there just getting shots up. And, you know, the older guys and Anthony, Matt, you know, David Lee, you know, Adrian Moss, you know, Chris Richard, you know, all the older guys. And we kind of saw as, all right, Hump, you're, our, you're the two, right? You know, because I was a point, you know, Corey was a three, four, and Joe, they could interchange at the four and five. And, you know, Hump was, you know, like the missing piece. So we just incorporated him. You know, every time we wanted to play pickup, we'd be like, yo, it's us four and Hump. Mm-hmm. And it was like, all right, cool. <laughs> and we would just sit there, have competitive games, and we would beat them guys a lot of the times. And uh, it was just, you know, Lee spaced the floor for everybody. You can't leave Lee open. So it was just easy. All of our talents kind of uh, complemented each other. While Humphrey was a year ahead of the guys and technically in 03, he became something of an honorary 04. Hey, it was great for me. I, I mean, I loved it. Um, we had some great pickup games. And, you know, I was just immediately fit right into to that group of guys. I think a lot was my skill set was unique uh, and it fit perfectly with with the skill set that they brought. So that made it pretty easy. Uh, but then also, too, you know, the guys were all unselfish. Uh, we're all looking to get better and just wanted to play hard, which which kind of fit the mold that I that I had as well. He was an interesting one. You know, again, like I, like I said, um, his AAU coach and I, you know, developed a really good relationship. And, and so we needed um, shooting, you know. And, and so watching Lee, saw him a lot in high school. And, you know, his high school coach, another guy did a great job, played Lee some on the ball at the, as a point guard and played him some off the ball. And uh, just, you know, he had a, a, a phenomenal ability to make shots. But, you know, his he didn't play against great competition he didn't have great competition at his high school or what he played against. So, you know, I think he got under-recruited some, you know, being right there in Maryville, right outside of Knoxville, he wasn't recruited by Tennessee, but just watching him, I was really impressed with the way he shot the ball. So I saw him several times in high school and, uh, you know, it's one of those where you just kept going back and wanted to see him again. And just talking to his AAU coach, I watched him in AAU and, you know, I, I think the thing that, he, that was underrated about Lee is he was a really good defender as well. Uh, I felt like, you know, even though he was maybe a little bit undersized for, you know, a, a traditional two guard, his ability to shoot the basketball was at an elite level. So, um, you know, we were fortunate to be able to get him to come. I tell you an interesting story with Lee and this is unbelievable family. So, you know, I think that year when Lee committed prior to his senior year, you know, we actually, at the time, I think, were, we didn't have a scholarship available. And we felt like one would open up. But we also had to be honest with him and his family and say, hey, listen, this is the situation where we we might not have one. You know, we want to be upfront and honest with you in regards to what that means. And so uh, talking to him and his family, uh, they felt good enough about Florida and about the program and about, you know, what Billy uh, had told them that they they were willing to come uh, that first year, even if it meant, you know, not not being on scholarship. 
And luckily, luckily, a few weeks later, that scholarship did open up and we were able to to. Uh, so he committed. I think he committed without a scholarship. And then, and then maybe a few weeks later, it opened up and we were able to, to put him on scholarship. So that just kind of speaks to who Lee is and, and what he's all about, his commitment to Florida. Lee may have been an honorary 04 on the court, but to truly be an 04, you had to live with the 04s as they stuck together off the court and really everywhere else. It was a fun time. I'll tell you who the dirtiest person was. It was Joe King and Corey. Uh, and Corey. Joe King, number one for sure. <laughs> and then and then me and, me and Al were the clean ones. And nobody really cooked. After practice or like we would always eat our meals together. Like after dinner, we would either go to Gator Dining or we would go um, to this place, Fritanga. I don't know if you remember that restaurant. It was a place called Fritanga in Gainesville. We would always go there usually after uh, practice. And we would just eat. We would chill. We would... Uh, you know, all do study hall together. We would go. We went. There was at one point we went bowling every night because I think it was a. I forgot. I think it was like a dollar bowl or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I kid you not, we went bowling every night for like two to three months straight. We would sometimes go with the football dudes, and we had like competitive games against them. It was fun. More on those epic bowling nights later in the series. But at this point, like me, you're probably wondering: Didn't these guys ever get sick of each other? I mean, sometimes, you know, I would, I would always mess with Joe. Like, I would go in, Joe, in Joe's room and just bother him sometimes just because <laughs> man, he'd be like, oh, my God, you're so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that was just how we rolled. Like, it's not like we were always around each other every day. It's not like that. Like, oh, my God, I got to be away from me. Like, we were actually literally do everything. Like, if we had the same class, we would go to the same class. Like, if we had a day where we wanted to skip class, we would do it as a group. Like, it was crazy, like. <laughs> right? Yeah, like we did everything together. I think we had a couple food. Our food fight was uh, one that we had our freshman year. We had a water water fight. <laughs> Me, Joe, Al, and Torian. It was crazy. That was pretty fun to end up <laughs> end up being a lot of fun. <laughs> Where'd you guys have a water fight? It springs in our oh, wow. dorm. <laughs> we were running to the dorm. I think I, I think I almost broke my back because you know it was a tile floor and it was wet and I slipped so hard. <laughs> I remember hitting my head and Al just laughing over top of me, then dousing me with water in my face. I was like, what kind of friend are you? I just, I could have, I could be hurt for real. You're just going to throw the water in my face. Were you, is that just against each other? You guys, were you going up against other guys? It was just us. Was just <laughs> it was like two water, on two. Were these like it's water balloons? Were these hoses? Like, how, how do you have a water fight indoors? Cups, water, <laughs> just cups of water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just throwing water. I think end up throwing, um, protein powder all over the place. It was, it was a lot to clean up. That they didn't tire of each other's company is another testament to that incredible chemistry and genuine love, which coaches can always hope for, but can never guarantee when building a class. I, I think, yeah, it just happens. You can't predict what's going to happen when, when guys stick together. So it's a testament to who they were, their families, their willingness to sacrifice for each other, the way those guys got along, the way they bonded right away. Yeah, I'm sure Joe and Al and Corey and, and Tori, those guys all talk about, you know, when they first got together, you know, how they were inseparable, <laughs> you know, they went together everywhere. So they just kind of bonded as soon as they stepped foot on campus and understanding, you know, they, they, they love to compete, you know, and they, they loved each other, you know, so, so they got it. And then, um, you know, the other guys that were there, you know, bought into that and they acclimated to that. So, so yeah, we, we, we were really fortunate 
uh, that those guys were able to, to, to mesh the way they did. While the O4s felt they were ready to run the show, their time hadn't yet come. While Horford and Brewer were starters and played extensively as freshmen, Green and Noah were backups, with Torian's role more clearly defined as the heir apparent to junior point guard and former SEC Rookie of the Year, Anthony Roberson. He played the one, and, and the one thing that whole season, Anthony made me a better player just because like, he used to kick my ass every day, almost every day, like whether it was an individual or a practice, because he, he has a having me shifting all over court. I would play good defense and he would still score. But one, that made me a better player than going up in the game. Two, I think what helped me the most was my main role my freshman year. All I had to do was defend and make sure I ran the team. You know, that's how I was going to play. And, you know, Coach told me that. And he said, you know, you're going to have to defend. And when you're in the game, run the team. So that's what, those were my two main focuses. In my freshman year, I was a, I was a turnover machine. I was a turn because, you know, there was times where Corey, you know, Corey would guard me in practice. You know, Corey could guard one through four positions. And he would just, you know, he got the long, active arms, and he would just anticipate wherever I was passing the ball and steal it. Coach Don, I got kicked out a couple times in practice. Yeah, it was – it was Coach Donovan nicknamed me Apple Turnover, but, like, <laughs> <laughs> that freshman year, he called me Apple Turnover. And, um, you know, but I think, you know, those moments, you know, helped me you know, just control myself and, and slow the game down. And, you know, headed in my sophomore year, just everything just took off. Green needed some seasoning to become the floor general the Gators needed, but he certainly never lacked swagger, a trait the coaches spotted and coveted from the start of the recruiting process. Well, I, I would say Torian's always been confident, you know, and for, for a smaller and undersized guy, I think he, you have to have that. You have to know that, you, that you're good and you have to believe in yourself. But I think Torian, you know, um, because of his dad, um, he had a great mom, uh, sister. He had a very supportive family, and they, I think, gave him the confidence that, hey, you, you can go out there and achieve your goals and dreams. And, you know, I think he was put in situations at an early age where he played against some of the best players in the country, you know, uh, because of his dad. His dad was a college coach. You know, his dad obviously played in the NBA, so he got a chance to be exposed to a lot, to see some of the best players in the world. And, play against some of the best competition, you know, at his age group. So I think with that experience, you know, he'd been playing the game his whole life. I think he developed a, a confidence in himself and an understanding that he had to have a confidence to go out there and, and be able to do what he did. Speaking of confidence, let's get back to Noah, who struggled to find both his game and a sense of where he fit within the team as a freshman. But from averaging three and a half points per game to being viewed as the best player in the nation, his jump from year one to year two is difficult even for him to explain. It's so, I mean, I can't, I, I couldn't pinpoint to one thing, but I just knew I, I really cared about my teammates and I knew I wanted to be a part of it. And, you know, people were just like, you're not playing, you know, maybe you should transfer and this and this and that. And. My confidence took a hit because it was the first time in my life I, I didn't play, really, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and then that summer, you know, I went home to New York and I, I played in all the uh, streetball tournaments. And I came back and we all came back. And that pickup that summer, you know, we, we, we came back with a vengeance. And as, you know, pickup in the summer as a team to be able to have that luxury to just really, like, all right, you know, doing individual workouts and all that stuff is cool. But to be able to play with your guys and to do that all summer, it's like by the time 
you know, coach has us. It's like, yo, we, we already put in, you, you weren't even looking really. I mean, you were there, but you're not, you're not, he, he wasn't really watching us play pickup and stuff, but we were, we were already pretty polished, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, I don't know. I just felt like the leap really came. I mean, you know, Matt Herring, strength coach, you know, putting work with us every day. Uh, you know, you have a meal plan. Uh, you know, you got Coach Donovan in your ear getting you hype and you ready, Uxi, like always pulling us to the side and getting us excited and making sure we're on track. I mean, you have so the support system. I mean, Tracy, you know, like, mm -hmm. oh, it's just, you know, Dookie Wook. You just, these people <laughs> are, are so special to me to this day. You know, it's like, you don't realize how much of a, a village this whole thing is. And it takes so many people for this thing to work, you know, and there's so many people who don't get the recognition and that that deserve it because you know you're a 19 year old kid you just come into a campus if the environment is not is not right then you don't win it's that simple and you know you have the the ladies in the back who just make it feel homey i mean miss don like mama d mama donovan like <laughs> it's just you know i mean give us give us cookies just making sure you know you don't have your moms you don't have your you don't have your family so for them the the amount of love that go into it, it it really made everybody feel right you know real comfortable real comfortable zooming out to the bigger picture the 0405 campaign featured some significant milestones for a 24 win team including the first sec tournament title in school history that came at the expense of kentucky Led by the all-SEC trio of David Lee, Matt Walsh, and Anthony Roberson, the Gators earned a four-seed in the NCAA tourney and were a trendy pick for a deep run. But after slipping past Ohio in the first round, it was another early exit for the Orange and Blue later that weekend, falling to Villanova. The offseason had officially begun, and with David Lee graduating and Walsh and Roberson leaving early for the draft, there were plenty of question marks for the future. For Brewer, it was a good opportunity to reflect on lessons learned from the upperclassmen and opportunities to grow. Being able to play with the guys I got to play with, like Matt Walsh was really good, and Anthony Robeson, David Lee. Those guys are really, they're really good players. So just had the opportunity to share the court with them. Uh, they were basically all Americans. I feel like me and Al just, we fit in good with those guys. And um, we didn't have the year we wanted to have, but it helped us get a lot of experience. Like it helped me see like that I could play in the SEC, that I could be productive and that, you know, we could win. We won the SEC, SEC tournament that year. That year. And I feel like me and Al both played pretty well. So we were just trying to just take that momentum into the next year. And we actually got to play with our best friends, our roommates. Like, we we're all starting now. So I feel like it was just a good situation for all of us. While the 4 saw what the future could bring, most of Gator Nation had no idea what was to come, including the voice of the Gators, Mick Hubert. David Lee was a great player, played in the NBA many years, great person. And then when you lose Matt Walsh, who's a flat-out tremendous college basketball player, and Anthony Roberson, that was a ton of scoring. You know, you look at, you know, championship teams usually have to have – usually a three-pronged attack, and we had that. Uh, and, and those guys left, and with them went a whole boatload of points. So we embark on this next season with a void of offense, uh, but yet – I'm talking about tangible things here, scoring, but we did not have any idea of the intangibles that this group that was going to go on the floor would possess 
uh, in this uh, 05 06 season. On our next episode, the starting five takes shape and becomes a force to be reckoned with in fall of 05, turning heads around the nation all the way through March. Until then, I'm Adam Schick, giving a special thanks to production assistant Eli Rosen and to all of you for tuning in to this latest installment of Gator Tales, Gator Greats.